You're listening to Your Words Unleashed podcast with host Dr. Leslie Wong, helping women scholars master their writing habits and publish a book that matters. Hi, writers. How are you right now? If you're in the United States, I hope you enjoyed a restful holiday weekend. The fall is such a frenetic time for so many academics. You work so hard for months and feel like you're reaching a breaking point. Then Thanksgiving finally comes, and when you get back, students are totally checked out, and you need to try to re-engage them for the final weeks of the semester. It's like a marathon until you finish your grading. People are so tired right now and just trying to make it to the end of the semester. Therefore, today I wanted to talk about how to make your life easier by doing less. Easier said than done, right? So today's episode is inspired by a recent breakthrough I had with one of my writing coaching clients. Incidentally, she's an article writer and not a book writer, although it doesn't really matter for our purposes. But I want to talk about why you need to do less, both in actual practice as well as on a mental level. In other words, I'm going to try to convince you why you need to stop striving for perfection and let things go earlier. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll see that striving for 100% in your writing, or in your life for that matter, is never the way to go. You can find the full transcript of this episode at www.yourwordsunleashed.com 44. So let me start by telling you about this conversation I had with one of my clients who I'm going to call Laura. She's a BIPOC junior faculty member at a research intensive school. Like I said, she's an article writer and co-authors most of her papers with other people. So she's in a field where sole authoring is not the norm. And Laura helped me devise something that I want to call the 85% rule. So essentially, she came to work with me because she felt like she hasn't been productive enough and feels like she takes far too long to get her articles out the door. And I asked what the greatest challenges were that she faced in the article publishing process, in the whole process itself. And she said that her biggest issues lie with getting articles prepped for review, because it takes forever to get to the point where she can actually send them out. And she feels like things sit on her desk for months and months and months. And the longer they sit, the longer she has to put off starting new projects, which for her, being a few years into the tenure track, She really needs to show she's establishing her own research agenda, right? So this is of imminent importance. So as we talk things through, Laura realized she had unintentionally fallen into a pattern. She was constantly sending revisions back to her co-authors, then waiting for their feedback. Then she would incorporate their feedback, which she also had to fit into her busy teaching schedule as well as her committee work and her life, of course. And then she would send it back to them for approval. So this whole process would take months and months because you're dealing with co-authors who are under the same kinds of time constraints. So finally, I asked Laura what percentage done she was trying to get her papers before she submitted them. And her answer was 99%. So I asked her, what would be different if you shot for 85% instead of 99? And to my surprise, Her shoulders visibly relaxed. She took a deep breath of relief and she responded, 
I would not request as much feedback from others. I'd be more intentional about the feedback I take from my co-authors. And I'd feel better about the feedback I receive from my reviewers because I wouldn't have spent so much time trying to make it perfect and then feel bad that I need to make more changes later. And then she added with conviction, I would also respect my voice and my instincts more. So basically, it took Laura taking a step back and processing this with me to see her own patterns. And she could finally see that in asking for so much feedback before submitting, she had actually been putting other people's ideas ahead of her own. She'd been ignoring her own intuition that was telling her that things were in good enough shape to submit. So as we continued to talk things through, Laura realized that if she aimed for only 85%, she could actually submit two papers in the next couple of weeks. And these were articles she thought would take months to submit. And in both cases, she just had to do some light revisions and then decide that the article was ready enough to submit. So in one case, that meant she needed to reach out to a co-author and tell them they didn't need to read another draft she had just sent. And if I was that co-author, I'd be super happy about that being taken off my plate. So we came up with the 85% rule, which was very helpful for her. But in order to get that established as a habit, we also had to work on her thoughts. So I asked her to do an exercise that I've talked about a lot on this podcast and elsewhere, which is about creating process goals. So basically, it's about becoming aware of the thoughts that are underlying our behaviors. And in this case, negative self-talk that's impeding progress on goals. And I would say a lot of times, these thoughts are not completely conscious. Some people will say, I don't actually suffer from negative self-talk, but I am filled with a lot of fear. And that fear keeps me from writing as much as I want to. So I would argue that underneath those fears are some negative self-beliefs, right? So it's about becoming aware of what's going on, perhaps at a very deep level in our minds, and then reframing these thoughts into empowering thoughts that are just as true. And if you want to know more about this, go more in detail, go back and listen to episode number 27, Prime Your Mind for Writing. So going back to Laura, she realized that the two main thoughts underlying her fear of submitting articles were, I don't think this is good enough, and other people know better than I do. So we worked on reframing these thoughts into process goals, self-beliefs that facilitate forward progress and more satisfaction. So when it came to, I don't think this is good enough, I asked her, how do you reframe that into something that feels better and is just as true? And she came up with, I trust my instincts. And other people know better became, I know, I'm confident in the message I want to share. And these are now mantras she can repeat to herself daily when she needs to be reminded of her own agency and to trust her own intuition when it comes to her work. So I just wanted to start with this example from a coaching session to show you how easy it is to get caught up in a perfectionist mindset. In the process, we ignore what we already know to be true, which is that we have great ideas and that we don't have to get things to 100% for them to be valid. We also know that when we're striving for perfection, we're not being efficient or using our time well. 
So the whole theme of this episode is to encourage you to not do these things by doing less. If you do less, it opens up more space and time for all kinds of good things. And now I want to give you some reasons why doing more in the pursuit of perfection is actually counterproductive or why it's better to do less. And not to care less, mind you, just to give things less time and effort. So the first reason is that, like Laura found, it's way more time consuming. It's totally inefficient to give all of your effort to pretty much anything, but especially your writing. I talked about shooting for 85% because getting things all the way up to 99 or 100 takes so much effort and so much time. And you know why? Because getting things to that level means you're spending a lot of energy dealing with minor details. So let me give you an example. In my last podcast episode, I made a small mistake. Did you notice? I accidentally cut out a phrase that connected one section to the next, but I didn't realize I did that until I was much further along in editing. So I could have gone back and re-recorded the one phrase and spent time inserting that into the episode, but that would have taken a lot of time and effort. And because I wanted to get the episode out into the world for you all to hear, I let it go. And to do that, I had to be okay with the idea of making mistakes and trust that my audience will be forgiving of them and be able to figure things out on their own. Because getting it to 100% just wasn't worth it. So in general, shooting for perfection ends up taking a whole lot longer because you might end up either procrastinating or missing deadlines in the process. And that's true no matter if you're a perfectionist or not. We all miss deadlines because we're human and we constantly underestimate how long things are going to take to finish. But if you are giving incredible attention to detail, this can have some really negative consequences in terms of being able to get things done in a timely manner. Versus the folks I know who publish the most often get things to 80 or 85% and then they send it off. If not for review, they send it to someone else to read. They might revise things once, then send it off for review and then allow reviewers to help them fix it. So that requires having strong faith in your own ideas and confidence in the contribution you're trying to make. It requires taking a risk, but it's a calculated one because you have a high level of self-trust. And perfectionists are also often inefficient because they're not delegating enough. You might believe other people can't meet your own high standards. This can really affect your overall ability to get things done. So I know lots of folks who actually have the funds to hire research assistants, but they don't give their RAs enough to do because they don't trust their ability to do it. So one way to reframe that thought is to think about the fact that it's okay for your RAs to make mistakes too. You're there to supervise them and to help them grow. And these are all learning opportunities for them. These are professional development opportunities for the people you're mentoring. So think about your own life and your own work. What have you been trying to get to 100% that's just not worth the effort? What can you cut back on? What are some of those things that take up a lot of your time, but that don't make a huge difference in the end? So the second reason why it's important to not strive for 100% is because it makes you much more stressed out. We all know on some level that pursuing perfection is nearly impossible. There's a constant level of anxiety 
fear of falling short of your own really, really high standards that you're probably projecting onto everyone else. And this chronic stress can have negative effects on not only your mental, but also your physical well-being, right? If you're worried all the time about your work, about not doing everything you can, it's likely going to affect your sleep. And this intense pressure to be perfect often leads to burnout. Like I've talked about in previous episodes, there are hugely institutional structural reasons that academics are burnt out. But there's also the individual component of people pushing themselves very hard to meet impossibly high standards. You can push yourself to the point of exhaustion in your quest to be everything to everyone. So especially for folks who have people-pleasing tendencies or who tend to put taking care of others before taking care of yourself, all of this can really lead to burnout. You might be putting work in front of things like exercising and eating well and even prioritizing it over your personal relationships. I cannot tell you the number of women I've met who are struggling to juggle the pressures of the tenure track with parenting young children. And the all-encompassing nature of academic work often means that they put more effort towards their jobs than they would choose to do if it was up to them. And then, if they don't get tenure, and many don't, because academia is not set up for mothers, they may end up deeply regretting not prioritizing their families more. And I'm not saying that there's any simple solution to this either, because it's a structural dilemma. But one thing you can do is not strive for 100% in anything. And in this scenario, I don't even think you should be shooting for 85%. So maybe shoot for 75 or 80. And ask yourself, what does doing 75% in my job and 75% as a parent look like in practice. And then prioritize those lowered standards because this is a marathon and not a sprint. And finally, a third reason why we all need to do less is so we don't lose touch with our own innate creativity and confidence in what we offer to the world. So when we strive for perfection, it usually causes us to feel worse about ourselves because the chance of getting things to 100% is so low. You're essentially setting yourself up for failure. You will inevitably fall short some of the time and never feel truly satisfied with your achievements. And this will probably heighten and solidify your own self-critiques, especially because I've noticed that perfectionists tend to constantly compare themselves negatively to other people. The other thing is that striving for perfection leads you to become excessively narrow and rigid, and this can really stifle your creativity. You expend so much energy trying to avoid mistakes when making mistakes is a totally essential part of learning and growth. It means you're not experimenting, or as in Laura's case, not following your own intuition. So you're actually missing out on really valuable opportunities for growing and improving. And you might just stay at the same level rather than stretching in new ways. So ask yourself, where have I been trying to play it safe rather than be bold in ways that feel exciting to me? And also, if failure was not an option, what would I do in my writing and in my life in general? All right, so let's sum everything up. I've talked about why and how to do less. 
I introduced the 85% rule where you conscientiously choose to only get your work to 85% and then you move on. And I also discussed three reasons why shooting for perfection is actually unproductive. The first is that it's very inefficient. It often ends up taking longer. The second is that it makes you much more stressed out. And the third is that it stifles your creativity and confidence in what you have to offer. In the end, being innovative and creative, and yes, productive, requires you to be willing to embrace imperfection. Valuing your own voice and ideas and listening to your own intuition when you're used to putting so much effort towards not making mistakes or trying to please others or avoiding critique is not easy. But this inner work is so important if you want your outer work to align with what you actually care about most. And of course, if you need help with any of this, reach out to me. Schedule a free 30-minute consult where we can talk about your writing and life goals and how I can help you reach them. And I'm already booking clients for late spring 2024, so don't wait. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Your Words Unleashed podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with other writers or leave a rating and review. To find the full transcript and catch all the latest from me, check out my website, yourwordsunleashed.com. I'll talk to you next time. Happy writing.